Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He was kind enough to reschedule some meetings today for us so we could work around a couple of live player interviews that we had in the previous hour. We're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino at 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer live in Rogers Place. Unfortunately, it's warm in here, which means we're not playing hockey here tonight. I was hoping we were going to be in Vegas for game number seven. Didn't ultimately come to fruition for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we heard from Derek Ryan and Nick Bugstead. Um... I even discussed something with Nick after the break about where the cap may be because our next guest uh, uh, mentioned it on his uh, podcast yesterday. From Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli. He is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Frank, how are you? Pretty good, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, yesterday, a couple things off of the Daily Faceoff podcast, uh, and we'll get to your thoughts on where the Oilers are at and everything else in a second mm-hmm. here, uh, but you're, you're hearing some rumblings on the potential of maybe a lot of people think the cap's only going up from 82.5 to 83.5 million. What's the latest that you're hearing on that front? Yeah, I've never been more convinced, and it, this is a belief that I've held for the last few months, that the cap will be increasing this offseason in a meaningful way. In fact, I believe NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and NHLPA Executive Director Marty Walsh are scheduled to have uh, more discussions, I believe, at some point this week, if I'm not mistaken. And... Look, no one wants to be in a situation, I think, even the NHL recognizes that a flat salary cap for a fourth consecutive season makes no sense. The owners could actually be in a position, depending on how quickly the escrow debt is paid off from players to owners at the beginning of next season, to the point where because the cap is artificially low... The players could be getting a check at the end of the year. At the end of the day, it's still a a pot and it's split 50-50 and players get half and owners get half. And if, you know, the cap didn't pay out the players enough, which has been an issue in the past, they've been getting too much, hence the reason for the escrow, that they might have to be cutting them a check at the end of this year. So next year, it's it's something to monitor. It's going to be a negotiation. The NHL gives nothing away for free. And we'll see. We've got, I don't know, about five weeks or so before we know. All right. So we know this. Players hate escrow. So the pandemic, you know, basically put us in a, in a tough spot. But for an organization like the Edmonton Oilers, there's a big difference between 83.5 million, which would be the minimum increase, or... 85 or 86 million. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a player. So where is? I'll, your- I'll give you a tangible example of how big of a difference it is for the Oilers. Depending on what else they can do, it might be the difference between a bridge deal for Evan Bouchard right. and a longer term deal. 
Yeah. So give me, where do you think it's going to come down to? Like, where, where, where do you, where do you, or where, not come down to? Where do you think it's going to go up to? How, like, what are we looking at here? I think somewhere in the neighborhood of three to three and a half million bucks uh, sounds about right to me. I, I think essentially what you'd be looking at if there is no movement in the cap this summer, aside from increasing one million, essentially what you'd be looking at one calendar year from now. And if revenues are robust, like even exceeding expectations, you could be talking about an, as much as a $9 million increase. Why not saw that off instead of handing each general manager a, a pile of, of cash to spend one summer from now, make it three and a half, make it three. And I, I'm confident in the way the mechanism works that you can do it without increasing the escrow without having to change the escrow cap because it's still an artificially low number that the cap would be set at. All right. So you're thinking instead of 83 and a half, you're thinking 86 or 86 and a half. Yeah. Something in that neighborhood. Well, that's a big difference for lots of different teams out there. Frank, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, and we've heard from Derek Ryan and we've heard from Dick Bukestad, two pending UFAs. They ultimately ended up losing. Uh, in six games to the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas was the only team that was ahead of Edmonton in the Western Conference in the regular season. They were undone. Give me your perspective on what happened with Edmonton. Well, I think it was an unfortunate end for a really good team that was outplayed in round two by the Golden Knights. Um, They were outplayed in a number of different facets. Even strength was one. The Oilers struggled to get the goaltending and saves that they needed, especially in critical moments. Um, Hard to string together some momentum in that case. And that doesn't take anything away from the leaps and bounds that Stuart Skinner grew by this year. And I think there's also some, you know, some growing pains on the bench as well um, from the coaching staff and Jay Woodcroft. I bet if you injected some truth serum into Jay Woodcroft today, he'd tell you that there's probably a few things that he'd like to do a little bit differently, uh, particularly in terms of the defensive zone and, and how the Oilers attacked or, or defended um, the Golden Knights. And look, you, you take all that up, you know, you smash it all together and you, you say, this is a team that, Uh, First off, I think the Golden Knights have as good a chance as any to win the Stanley Cup now. And and two, the Oilers aren't far off. You know, not every year is going to be your year, and I'm sure anyone listening that's an Oiler fan is sitting here saying, well, when is it going to be our year? We've we've suffered a lot. We've had um, some significant pain and setbacks in this market, and now we're entering what's going to be year nine of Connor McDavid and 10 of Dreisaitl. Yep. Like that's that's a significant chunk of their careers. And, and now you start to sort of see the other end of it, if that's a scary enough thought of, well, what happens to the Oilers in two more years after Leon Dreisaitl's next contract is up? Right. So what it means is time is of the essence. The Oilers have known that. they. This isn't one of those seasons where you walk away thinking, man, they squandered an opportunity. They took it too lightly. Uh, They didn't make the requisite moves necessary to get there. I think almost everyone universally was pleased with um, the deadline that Ken Holland had. And I also think every team runs into this, Bob, but the truth of the matter is the Oilers didn't really have a lot of luck on the injury front. 
Like this team is also, you know, I think you mentioned the Evander Kane injury yesterday on your show. I'd love to know with the status of Zach Hyman and and if any repair yeah. job he might need this I'll summer. I'll tell you. Par- I'll tell you partially what happened with Kane for me is some of the people that hated the signing in the first place came back and said, "See, he was useless." And blah 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 blah. Terrible at this, and I'm like, the guy had 13 goals last year in the playoffs. He didn't have one injured hand. He had two injured hands. Like. And he was still fairly effective in game six of the series. You know, he still played with a degree of physicality. I mean, last... Yeah, but look, I, I that, get what you're saying. I'm not co- saying you're wrong. All I'm saying is... Everybody this, everybody gets hurt. Everybody has to deal with some things. Uh, the orders. The Oilers had two guys, Frank, that combined for 24 goals last year that were both compromised this year in the playoffs, and they weren't the same players. And that was so, Zach Hyman and Evander Kane. And the Oilers are not the same team... 97 and 29 can only do so much. Which they did. And they did. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a mostly disappointing playoff. Yeah. And when you have two other guys that were significant contributors in Kane and Hyman at the same exact time that Nugent Hopkins isn't very good, are compromised and injured, like, that's five pieces out of your top six, like, you know, that – you're like, well, okay, how much can we do here? Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there, there's lots. It, it's certainly in Kane's face, uh, place. I, I had a little bit of empathy just because, I mean, he was he, in, in the L.A. series. He had to miss a couple of games. I don't know. I, he's just new in his availability right now. I don't know if he specified if he got into it. I just know that he was playing with a, with a finger injury, and those are when you're a shooter. And and your other wrist has gone through what he went through. I mean, I, I had I had a little bit of empathy for the guy in that situation. Um, all right, so you talked about Ken Holland, and the, I mean the reality of the situation is the owners are in a win now mode. I, you know, our listeners jumped in on the conversation. Hey, they want Ken to go for it again. Um, Ken Holland's contract is up in a year from now, and I know that uh, you educated some people yesterday on some uh, potential long-term machinations that may be in play involving Edmonton. Yeah, and, and I think uh, that may have caught some people by surprise, um, and there's no intention in that at all. Uh, the truth is the Oilers have a really valuable member of their staff and Steve Steos, who I think has seen... Uh, in many different parts of the league as a highly qualified and coveted general manager candidate. I think there's more than one team right now that's on the prowl to try and eventually land Steve Steos. I think the Ottawa Senators are one, um, and it depends on who their next owner is. I said... From months back, you can find the clip that Michael Andlauer, I think, is going to be the guy that ends up getting the team, regardless of what his bid looks like. The NHL knows him. They know how he conducts himself and his business. He's a minority shareholder in the Montreal Canadiens. He's owned the Hamilton Bulldogs, where he had a ton of success with Steve Steos as his general manager. And so the Oilers, I believe ultimately are going to be protective and proactive in regards to handling how that functions from here, knowing that in a year's time from now, anyway, they're likely going to have to make a decision as to who's replacing Ken Holland. If his contract expires and 
after an incredible Hall of Fame career wants to step aside and retire. Yeah, you have to allow and plan for those possibilities and, right. and eventualities. And I would say more than that, um, you know, the Oilers are in a spot that many teams find themselves in. You have qualified personnel that you really like and value, and you make moves to make it happen. Like, look at what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going through right now with Kyle Dubas. If you rewind six years in time, you'll find Kyle Dubas was denied an opportunity to be the general manager of the Colorado Avalanche because their plan was ultimately to have him be their next GM. It happens with regularity around the league that teams step up and preemptively make a move in order to not lose someone. Look at the Flyers and Danny Briere. He was a finalist for the Montreal Canadiens GM job that went to Kent Hughes, and they kept him in the fold, said, we'll do whatever it takes in order to make sure that we don't lose this guy. And now when they made a move with Chuck Fletcher and fired him, well, Danny Breer didn't even, there was no process. They didn't interview anyone else. He was the guy right from Jump Street. Well, and uh, you and Elliot Freeman both reported last year that Brad Holland had his interest from other organizations uh, in, yep. a, in a senior executive role and was ultimately promoted in Edmonton. When Pete Shirelli was relieved of his duties in Edmonton, uh, you know I tweeted out Kelly McCrimmon and Chris McFarland. Kelly was in Vegas as the assistant GM. Chris McFarland was in... Colorado is the assistant GM. And what did the Golden Knights do? They stepped up and made Kelly McCrimmon the GM and and promoted George McPhee to president of hockey ops. I I don't th- I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think there is an avenue here for eventually Steve Steos to be promoted to GM and and Ken yeah. Holland retaining a president of hockey operations role. No one's pushing out Ken Holland. Right. I want to make that abundantly clear. They, the Edmonton Oilers really like the job that Ken Holland has done. Yeah, well, and just in McFarland's case, Colorado did. They were proactive and protective of Chris McFarland. They did not allow NHL organizations to interview him, and he is now their GM. And unfortunately for Chris, he inherited a situation where Gabriel Scott got hurt, and sounds like he might not play next year either. Don't might know not play again. Might not play again. Uh, they couldn't re-sign Nazem Kadri, who was their second-line center. They lost Burakovsky, and then Nachushkin dealt with an off-ice issue, and suddenly they're down four of their top seven forwards from a Stanley Cup championship team. And that said, they would have, with all due respect to Vegas, they they would have been, for me, a tougher, tougher matchup for the Oilers. Colorado had they gotten through and had the Oilers play them like Vegas. And they lost to Seattle. And they lost to Seattle. Who finished behind the Oilers and the Seattle Kraken were one game away from the, the final four. Do we need to remember some of the stuff, Frank, like the Florida Panthers? You mentioned Toronto and Kyle Dubas, and I think he did a pretty good job. You know, a lot of people, well, you know, they don't have the right sort of character. And what do you, like, the support players that they brought in? Those were, they brought in some toughness. They brought in some hard-nosed guys. They brought in some guys that have won before. McCabe and uh, Shen changed the complexion of their defense. O'Reilly gave them a veteran presence down the middle. But people need to remember Florida. Florida traded two number ones last year for two rentals, right, for Sherratt and for Giroux. And they also, and then they turned around and traded a number one to get Kachuk. Florida got bounced in the second round last year. 
Florida, what happens if Pittsburgh had beaten Columbus at the end of the regular season, Frank? Florida doesn't make the playoffs. Does it, doesn't it just show you how fickle it can be? And how tight- A team that lost their way into the playoffs is now four wins away from the cup final. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think in the Leafs case, the question, the big overarching question that I have if Kyle Dubas remains is how much was too much? And I'm not saying, um, you know, taking a big swing i'm saying when you have a team that's built on speed and high-end skill and you make a hard right turn at the trade deadline and add in that much the question is did you need more from the very beginning and you got that part wrong or did you add too much at the end and over you know sort of overcompensate for the spot that you were in and then the panthers like i they they were I think the really interesting thing for me is they were willing to take their medicine. They knew that they were taking a step back this year. They they honestly no one expect they didn't not they did not expect themselves to be this competitive in the playoffs. They were thinking take a step back this year, get one of the 15 or 20 true franchise players in the NHL. I estimate that there are 17. Matthew Kachuk is one of them. Drysdale and McDavid are two of them. That leaves 14 more. You can figure them out, but they're hard to get your hands on. So they got one and they said, okay, we have some dead cap space. We have some contracts we don't like. We changed our coaching staff. We could just, I I heard this directly from uh, upper management's lips. If we can just get in as the seven or eight seed, we would call that a successful year. And you just never know. And I think that's the sting that that the Oilers are feeling today is, their team was every bit as good enough this year to be the team that's having the same conversation. They're very close. Yeah, very close indeed. Uh, some quick hitters for you. Calgary, what are you hearing there? Calgary is moving uh, moving forward with their GM search. Ray uh, I think. Is he a say poss- that again? Ray Whitney, is he a possibility? I think he's a possibility. He's been um, a runner-up. Uh, was very, very close to getting the San Jose job that ended up going to Mike Greer. Um, I, I would not count out the internal candidates that the Calgary Flames Craig have. Craig Conroy and Brad Pascal. Craig Conroy and Brad Pascal is also interviewing for the position. I mentioned and reported previously Stan Bowman, as well as I'd be real curious to see have the Toronto Maple Leafs granted permission? Will they grant permission, not knowing what's going on with Kyle Dubas, to Brandon Pridham, who I reported earlier, has been on the Flames' radar? And another name that I had heard, I've had a hard time confirming, but would make some sense, um, would be Rich Peverly with the Dallas Stars. Who's in the mix in Pittsburgh? It's a long list. Um, I reported some of them last week. Uh, Mark Bergevin, Jason Botterill, John Chaika. I believe that, by the way, in parentheses, when I say that, I, I think they're hiring for two positions. I think it also depends on who they pick, but I do think they want to stick with the president of hockey ops and GM model that they've had. Um, I believe that also includes um, a few people from the New Jersey Devils organization, uh, that have been included. Um, Jason Carmanos, Eric Tolsky from the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I wonder about Sam Ventura from the Buffalo Sabres. Cam Lawrence is the analytics consultant for the Columbus Blue Jackets who lives in Pittsburgh. 
The list has kind of been endless. And the interesting thing about round one is they did it all on Zoom. So now the next step in the process, round two, which is ongoing this week, is all slated to be conducted in person. Frank, when we have you on Friday this week, because we're doing three hours, this is the final week we're going to do three hours, then we'll go back to our two-hour shows. We're going to talk about uh, UFA targets and which guy might make the most sense for Edmonton. So okay. We'll have, I bet you have someone in mind. I do. We'll save it for Friday. I know who it is, I think. I bet you I could guess. You want to take a swing right now? Yep. Connor Brown. I like Connor Brown. He's second on my list. I like okay. Connor Brown a lot. I'll have to do my homework. I'll do my reconnaissance. Thank you for switching uh, uh, show times today for us, Frank. It's much appreciated. For you, anything. That's good to know. That is Frank Saravalli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Uh, he is from Daily Faceoff. Live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. It's 154 in Edmonton, and you're listening to Oilers Now. Sugar Sean has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 157. Come on, Bob, quit making excuses for this team. Injuries happen to all teams. Same with bad calls uh, from the refs. But only Oilers media and fans use this as a crutch to forgive poor play and effort. Uh, I'm glad that your guests keep it real because you're too deep in the team's pockets. That one comes to us from Sugar Sean. Oh, Sugar Sean, you're such a tough guy. Uh, look, they weren't as good as Vegas in the end. Colorado was better than Edmonton last year. We all knew it. My point that I was making with Kane was that he was significantly compromised, and that's part of the reason why he couldn't get la- uh, to uh, to last year's level where he scored 13 goals. Keep me honest there, Sugar Sean. Uh, 157 in Edmonton. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Adam agrees. Um Bob, uh, the orders have six or seven young guys in the system who can come up, move the pick. You can get away with moving those picks two or three years in a row. Matias is a trade that helped the orders for years to come. And as for the injuries, so what? Every team was banged up. Zero excuses from Adam. Edmonton needed to improve their five-on-five play. That's got to be part of the off-season conversation, and they needed more stops. And there were some guys that know they needed to play better. That comes with the territory, 100%. Off to a global news, weather, traffic update. And uh, when we come back, we'll have Hart Levine from Puck Media. How are the numbers going to work, and how does it change if the cap is $86 million instead of 83 and a half? That when we return in orders now. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.